Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month, or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information, the inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick, before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching. These two programs will help you take the guess and stress out of period recovery or period maintenance. These are the go-to programs to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone, restore your fertility, and if you've already got your period back, help you maintain your period for life. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized structured plan with food and exercise recommendations to get your period back, restore your fertility, and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutrition.com backslash programs dash overview. I am so excited to bring this episode to you guys today. And it is a hot topic within my groups of clients, my Instagram, TikTok followers, and everyone in between about exercise. And so today, Sam, Christy, and I, and I'm going to introduce her in a moment, are going to talk about why we struggle with modifying, potentially putting a pause on exercise or a break on exercise so that we can get our periods back. So a little bit about Sam. She's a registered dietitian and she is a body neutral personal trainer and she is the founder of AAA Wellness in Cleveland, Ohio. And her mission is to empower people to live their best lives through movement and balanced nutritional practices. Sam has her master's in food science and human nutrition, her bachelor degree in kinesiology and movement studies, and she's been in the fitness industry for over 12 years in so many different modalities with hundreds of clients, has coached over 2,000 classes at Orange Theory, and she really prides herself in creating a safe and inclusive space for all clients, working with people of all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds. So Sam wanted me to also share a few of her core beliefs, and I love them. And so number one is never eat hey, low top. And oh my gosh, this is so me at one point. Enjoy the foods you want guilt-free or shame-free. Eat the real ice cream. I added that one in there. And get strong AF as fuck. Through strength comes power, which then becomes confidence. And weight has nothing to do with health. It is literally just a measurement of you versus gravity. I love how she put that. And we deserve to feel good in our bodies. Body image is an inside job. Couldn't agree more. And number five, wear the damn shorts. It's time to feel good in your own skin. And outside of coaching, Sam enjoys spending time with her husband, James, and her dog, Rico, and traveling and seeing her favorite artists in concert. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Feel free, as always, to leave a review. This helps tremendously. So let's go ahead and dive in. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 
I am so excited to have you here because exercise is quite the topic of interest for, well, all of my audience, my clients, and everybody in between. So I'm glad you're here to shed some light about you know, not only establishing a healthy relationship or more of a balanced relationship with exercise, but just in general to talk about, you know, how normal the women out there feel in regards to their fear of maybe reducing it or finding a balance or knowing themselves without it. So we're going to dig into that. Yeah, totally. So the title, or I guess the, the things that I want to talk about today is really the struggle to cut down or potentially eliminate or potentially to stop cold turkey. And I just want to kind of go into a little bit about how I used to feel that way. And if you want to add in, you know, if you've had any trouble with, you know, cutting down or trying to find balance, would love to hear your take because this is so normal to feel this way, scared, indifferent, maybe curious, maybe totally like dumbfounded by the fact that you have to cut down or modify something that you have been told that is so good for you. So, and I see an eye roll, right? And just to, just to say like too much of anything isn't good for you. Okay. It doesn't know, it it doesn't matter what it is, too much water, too much sun, you know? So this could be a thing. Too much exercise could be a thing, is a thing. Sorry, is a thing. All right. So I just want to kind of say this is something I personally struggled with. I grew up a very active person. I was a gymnast, a dancer, I did cheerleading, led myself up to, let's see, after high school, continued to do some all-star cheerleading. It was a part of my life. Being active was always a part of my life. And it wasn't until I would say hmm, early college years where I really got into it, like hardcore, like going to the gym for like a few hours a day with one of my friends and thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with this. At that time, I was on birth control, so I I could have potentially not had a period, but I was still getting a withdrawal bleed every month. And then flash forward, Sam, to my wedding planning season. And of course, we have to look our best, right? And so I was eating 1,500 calories a day. I was exercising a couple hours a day. If I missed a workout, whew, my day was off. Everything wedding related, like I just thought like, okay, well, how am I going to look in this? Or I need to make sure I don't eat this because my bachelorette party is coming and I got this little white dress that I need to fit into. And how am I going to look at my pictures that I'm going to, these are going to be pictures that I have around forever. They're going to be around when I'm no longer on this earth. So I need to look my best. And my, literally my whole life, that's when it really started to take a whole new level for me. My whole life revolved around exercise. Friends were like, okay, let's go out. I'd be like, nope, got to go to the gym in the morning to social events, couldn't eat certain foods. Gosh, there was one time I was bringing my own food somewhere. And oh, this is a, I was joking around about this on another podcast. And again, I don't want to say it's a joke because this is something that seems so normal. And now you may be struggling to give this up. But I remember one night, this was during, you know, the season of getting married. I was literally running in front of my TV because my step count didn't hit whatever it was supposed to hit. Right. So um, I can giggle about that now, but that truly, that is, it was not a healthy behavior. So that's kind of when it kicked into high gear. And then post-wedding, it was like, whoa, I was so disciplined. I worked so hard for this. I was like, well, 
I got to find something new to do to keep this up. And so that's when I got into CrossFit. And ooh, did I drink the CrossFit juice? And I became like one of the top female athletes. So I couldn't miss a day. I always felt like, oh my gosh, if I do, I'm going to fall behind. And uh, yeah. So somewhere along the lines, I lost my period. When I finally figured out it was a problem or got appropriately diagnosed, I was like, what? I have to. I don't exercise that much. Now, mind you, I was exercising for almost two hours in the morning (laughs) before work and then coming home and running a few miles most days. No, I wasn't exercising too much. But, you know, at that point, it's like, you know, someone will say, well, didn't you know better? Like you're a dietitian. I'm like, "Mm, well, that's what I was taught in school. Like, I mean, exercise no matter how much or what you do, it's so healthy for you. Finally, when a doctor appropriately diagnosed me with HA, it was hard for me to come to terms with reducing or eliminating intense exercise. So, and everything we're about to probably talk about the fear of weight gain, exercise to control my stress and emotions, societal ideal. And for me, and I'm sure for you too, Sam, being a dietitian, we have this like image to uphold, all the misinformation we learned about. So, we're going to kind of probably not only be able to guide and serve you in this department, but really be able to relate so much to all that we're going to talk about. Right, Sam? Yeah, 100%. I I mean, I think you saw a smile on my face because I resonate so much with everything that you're saying. Like literally to the point of like, I grew up dancing. So I was always very active. I danced competitively. So it was like four days a week, four hours a night. And it was movement was a part of my life, but it was also something I like deeply enjoyed. It was a way I expressed myself. My best friends were at dance. So it was like deeply a part of me. I went to college. I still danced, still danced competitively, kind of like dabbled in the gym. I would call myself an elliptical queen because that was really all I knew, despite uh, majoring in kinesiology. And then I met my husband in college. And so I kind of stopped going to the gym as much because I was like more into like just spending time with him. I, my body changed as a result of that. And I got very hooked into the forks over knives, like plant-based diet, which is very, pretty restrictive. And on top of that, I was a personal trainer. I was becoming a personal trainer. And so many times in the personal training world, even from my own bosses, I had heard like your body is your business card, which that could not be more toxic. Oh yeah. Yep. And so you take okay, someone who's working in personal training, she's helping people. And mind you, this was like 2013. So we're like really into the diet culture phase of everything. And it's all about weight loss and whatnot. And then you take someone who has done that. Plus my husband was going through military training. We're in a very stressful point of our life. And I working out became my whole life, just the pressure to look a certain way, but also it made me feel really good. I got very into lifting. My body really changed a lot compositionally. I was getting complimented, like the whole thing. And to the point that kind of, like you said, I was doing similar stuff where I would cycle in the morning or go for a run with friends. And then I would lift later in the day. And then if my husband wasn't home from work and I had nothing to do, I would just go for a run because I literally didn't have anything else to do. And so I was over-exercising, definitely under eating. Oh, and the MyFitnessPal obsession was in there too. Oh yeah. Yep hardcore tracking, like that I wouldn't go out to eat if I didn't have enough calories during the day. So I very much felt like if we were going out, I had to work out extra hard to make up for that. And eventually that led to my wedding, same exact thing, like had to fit in the dress. I was definitely doing some other behaviors that were not great. 
And then eventually I had to have hip surgery. And that kind of changed a lot of things for me because I had to go 10 weeks where I really could not exercise in that capacity, even though I was still that person that was in the gym with a huge hip to knee brace on. But don't worry, I was lifting upper body because I had to get that workout in. Eventually, just I would always kind of tell myself, like, this is not sustainable. Like, you can't do this forever. And I think in grad school, when I really started to realize that I had orthorexia, and this is when I was like studying to be a dietitian and realized how, you know, counting calories, the numbers in my head were annoying me. I couldn't focus in class. And I just felt like I had to get it together because I didn't want to be disordered while I was seeing clients like our patients. Like I just didn't want that. I eventually kind of evolved my relationship with food, which helped to change my relationship with exercise kind of leading to me to where I am today, which is a very different version of how I was working out previously. Same. Yep. Can relate to all of that. And I'm sure everyone listening either can fully relate to all of it or just, you know, partially relate. But oh gosh, yeah, I remember the days of the obsession of if I was going somewhere, like I had to earn what I was eating or oh yeah I had to earn and burn I you in most cases I would earn earn it and then burn it you know because earning it wasn't enough so yeah completely different place as well you know flash forward you can share you know a little bit about what you do now I'll share a little bit about what I do and now this is not to say you're gonna be doing what Samurai is doing. You may go on to get your period, healthy cycles, and go back to marathon running, triathlete training. Maybe you're an Olympian listening to this. So know that what we went through and where we are now may not be where you are, and it may not be where Sam and I are forever either. So there's different seasons that you know we go through in our lives in relation to exercise and nutrition and health. So, but Sam, when you say your your exercise looks a bit different now, what is what is the difference for you? So, a the difference is I definitely don't work out multiple times per day. I am a pretty active person in the sense that I'm a personal trainer, so I'm on my feet a lot. I'm a coach for Orange Theory, so I do walk a lot while I'm coaching, but I listen to my body a lot more when it comes to what I'm doing that day. I really call it like intuitive strength or intuitive movement of listening to my body. And today's a great example. I wanted to lift legs today, but quite frankly, I'm very tired. We were out late last night. I didn't really get a lot of sleep. The idea of lifting up a weight just sounds terrible right now. Like I can't. And in the past, I would have just made myself do it. I would have been like, suck it up, do it anyway. You got to get this in. So instead I was like, I want to get some movement in, but I need it to be gentle. I'm just going to walk. And about five minutes into the walk, I was like, this feels good. I'm getting my energy. I feel good, but I'm glad that I went with walking instead of lifting. But like as a base, I lift probably two to three days a week because I very much enjoy lifting. I love the way it makes me feel. But even then, I listen to my body on like what body part I'm working that day. And I use my energy levels, my sleep, my stress, kind of what I'm feeling. I used to run a lot. I still run like maybe once a week if I'm feeling really energized and I want to do something higher intensity. But for the most part, I have found that my body doesn't like high intensity very much anymore. And so I do a ton of power walking. I'm obsessed. I love power walking. Like it just feels so good. And it's so fun. I sometimes sub out running with cycling, but I've also gotten into a lot of yoga and stretching. And there are days where I literally just do like 
a 20 minute yoga flow and some stretching and I take it easy. So it definitely looks different, but it feels immensely better. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, long gone are the days where you're forcing yourself to do despite being out late or feeling tired or injured. Yes. Totally. Oh, gosh. I remember I injured, I don't know what the injury was called, but my back, neck area and still made sure even though I was in pain, like I was totally in pain uh, while I still went to the gym and did my lower body. So yeah, I have to say for me, now exercise looks a lot different where, you know, I had to take a break or modify it once I figured out like it really was going to help bring a cycle back and help get me pregnant. And so I did that. And then I took when I was pregnant, I was walking, doing maybe a little bit of, you know, small weightlifting. And then most recently, now that's going, gosh, my oldest son is going to be seven in August. So this is going quite the time frame. So I'm going to flash forward to now where throughout the years, I just like you, Sam, was doing intuitive movement. Like, oh, if it was the day I felt like walking, I'd go for a walk. If the day I felt like going for a little run, I'd go for a little run. And it wasn't until I think about two years ago where I started to get into more routine exercise, or maybe it was a little bit longer, but more routine exercise that was mostly all low intense. And not because I was scared that I was going to lose my cycle again, but because that's what worked for me and is still working for me in that time. Most recently, I've started to add in a little bit more intense exercise, such as running, and then like something happened with my foot. So I guess it wasn't quite the right time, but I plan on this year uh, doing a lot of uh, hiking, more strenuous hiking, and just seeing what I feel like doing. So it's just so nice to not be chained by like, I have to do this. You know, I have to do that, especially with young kids. So I have a seven-year-old and well, almost a seven-year-old and almost a five-year-old, you know, I only do some type of planned movement, I would say three days a week. And before it was seven days a week, I could never sustain that with kids. It would take away from them. And it's just so nice to be able to do kid things with them, like a rollerblading, go ice skating without being like, uh, oh, nope, got to get like a hardcore workout in, a sweat in before I do that. So I could go on and on about the benefits of it. But Just to reiterate, what looks like for Sam and I right now doesn't mean it's going to look like that for you, especially after you recover a period. The world, I like to say, because I don't like oysters, um, the world is your taco. Okay. I like tacos. (laughs) So you know that that. saying the world is your oyster. No, I don't like oysters. I love tacos. So the world is your taco. And whatever you want to do after period recovery that is going to maintain a regular period, which of course you need to be eating enough too, you can do. So let's let's not go there yet. Let's get period number one. If you've gotten period number one, let's get period number two. If you're looking to conceive, let's do that first. And then we can cross that bridge because you may feel completely different from where you are right now to six months from now. So, all right, Sam, are you ready to dive into why, you know, some of the reasons we could be struggling to cut down on exercise? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first one, I don't like to use the word, but I couldn't think couldn't think of a better word, but exercise obsession. And you might say, I'm not obsessed with exercise. If someone told me that like 10, 15 years ago, I'd be like, I'm not obsessed. Like I'm just doing what I, what everyone says you should do exercise every day. Right. So exercise obsession. So let's kind of talk about some, I guess, red flags that would kind of deem it sort of like a not so healthy behavior around exercise. So what are the things that come to your mind first? And then I can fill in the gaps. I think first and foremost, exercising seven days a week and not taking rest days 
at all. I think another big sign of it is feeling guilty when you do take those rest days or really struggling to take rest and to like be still. Definitely exercising when you're injured or you're sick or even just when you're really tired and exhausted and pushing through that. Certainly missing out on social events to work out. Even like sometimes I definitely know there's people that need to get up early and work out. So I'm not saying that that's a red flag, but if you were like forcing yourself to wake up extra, extra early because you feel like you have to work out and it's a day where you can't, even that can kind of be a little bit of a red flag. And that's different than, you know, you're just, that's when you have to get it in. But I think that's certainly a big one. And I think really when it comes down to your intention behind exercise, I absolutely adore Jess Sims from Peloton. And she always says, you don't have to do this. You get to do this. And when you have to do this, or I should do this, or whatever other rules you have around exercise, whether it be time, intensity, or whatnot, might not be obsessive, but it might be a sign that just like with food, there's a little bit of a disordered relationship with it. And we need to reevaluate that a little bit. Absolutely. And I could probably check all those boxes. I mean, from missing out on social events to forcing myself to wake up despite being tired or injured to feeling the guilt of not doing it. Oh my gosh, it would weigh on me all day. I could remember a time where, well, probably more than one time, I would my alarm, I wouldn't hear it, wouldn't go off. I was an early morning exercise and it really wasn't because that was the only time to get it in for me. It was because I was obsessed and that that's the only way I could do it twice in a day as well. So I just remember my whole day was off. Whole day was off. I was miserable. Like I didn't get my workout in. Like I just feel off. Yeah. And I would add too, when you're like dreading a workout, when you don't actually like want to do it, that like feeling of misery around it. And also when you're really tying it to food or what you look like or maintaining like thinking that you have to do it so that you maintain your body size or shape or feeling like that earn and burn mentality, or even like, I love having an Apple watch, but it definitely also has its downfalls of feeling like you have to fill your Apple rings and whatnot. That's like a whole topic I could talk about all day. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly, it was, I think it was last year. I've had an Apple watch for a while, but I've never turned on the tracking and like the notifications you get. And then I had a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram saying like, could you like you know, talk more about this and tell us how to turn it off, whatever. And so I turned it on the notifications. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a, you know, I would say amazing relationship with exercise now. And I'm like, I feel triggered by this. I can't imagine what the rest of the world is feeling. So it was, I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know it was that intense and that much. So, or a Fitbit or, you know, whatever else goes on your wrist or finger now. So yeah, those things, you know, are unfortunately, even though they're, I'm saying that they're obsessive, Sam and I are kind of saying they're obsessive. We're not meaning that no pun intended, like we were there too, but it is, it's it's not a healthy relationship. If it's interfering with your daily life, anything that's interfering with your daily life in a negative way, and you might say, well, it makes me feel better afterwards and I feel productive afterwards and I check it off the list, but I mean, I can relate because that was me too. Like if I didn't check it off the list and I always felt better afterwards, even if I was tired before and, you know, to kind of capitalize or I guess piggyback off of like feeling tired than feeling energized, it's because your stress hormones go up, like your cortisol, your adrenaline, you're going to feel better after no matter if you felt like crap before. So, you know, that's 
if any of these, you take any of these boxes, it's definitely time to reevaluate. And if you are missing your period, literally think of that as an injury. So let's kind of dive into, I know I heard you say, Sam, like if you're doing this to change your body, yeah, right? Specifically, I know for me, for the longest time, I was like, I want a six pack. I want a flat stomach, like flat stomach, flat stomach, flat stomach. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just remember obsessing over it. Anyways, you know, and, and of course, flat stomach, fear of weight gain, body changing kind of all ties in. So this fear of weight gain, why, why shouldn't we be exercising to change our bodies when that's, I feel like it's just so common to, to do? I think we have to really start with acknowledging where that comes from. And it's really interwoven into diet culture that, you know, up until the last couple of years, exercising was only ever sold to us as a way to change or control our body. Nobody was talking about the mental health or the various other reasons that you should can move your body or why you should move your body. It was only ever sold to us as changing yourself, losing weight, right? Maybe you could throw building muscle in there, but it's always been sold to us as that's what you do. And even when you think about coming from your doctors or TV or any little bits of diet culture, it's always exercise and food. So it gets very interwoven into our culture that we can control our bodies by exercising. But there's a couple of things that aren't necessarily true about that. And number one, if you look at like, I love to explain it in this way. If you look at like our overall metabolism, right? And what actually goes into that from our resting metabolic rate, which is about 70, maybe 80% of our energy needs are just from sustaining life. So that's most of it. Some of it being the thermogenic effect of food. So your body breaking down food and creating energy. Some of it non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So fidgeting, walking to the mailbox, what have you. And then there's this little tiny piece of it that's like five to 10% being actually like intentional exercise or planned workouts, if you will. And so if you even think about it from our overall energy usage, it's a small percentage. It's not a big part, but it's sold to us as if it's like a huge piece of our metabolism and whatnot. And the problem is when we really tie exercise to changing our bodies, one of the biggest things can happen is that exercise can start to feel like a punishment. It very much becomes that I have to, I should to. I know certainly for me and my disordered stage, I felt like I had to exercise to maintain my size. And I don't think I even realized that I was enjoying it then because it always felt like something I had to do. And then if I didn't do it, then it was because of guilt or punishment or what have you. And most of the time when that happens, that's not a sustainable way to exercise. You're going to burn out. You're going to be exhausted. You're not going to feel good. And you're probably going to not be very consistent with it really to begin with, unless you're forcing yourself to do it. And when we kind of change gears and look at the myriad of other reasons to move your body, all of a sudden it becomes something, A, that you genuinely want to do. You enjoy it. And you realize there are so many other reasons to move your body that you come back to it more consistently. And it can fit into your life so much better. And it can be a part of your life, but it doesn't have to be your whole entire life. Absolutely. And just to piggyback off that, if you're missing your period, 
if you could have this type of approach, your period's going to stay around once you get it back. And not only that, but like if you're doing intense exercise all the time, no matter if you have a period or not, it's increasing your stress hormones. And so, yeah. And so which so many other factors that that can play a part for the normal cycling woman, but thinking about that, the impact and actually enjoying it. And you might say, well, I do enjoy it. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, because if someone asked me that, Sam, quite frankly, 10 years ago, you're forcing yourself or you're, you know, you don't really enjoy it. I'd be like, no, like, it's my life. Like, no way. Are you kidding? So it's like, you have to be in a place where you are ready to accept that it is too much and you are doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think most people that I ask, would you exercise this much if you knew it was going, if you knew it wasn't going to change your body? Absolutely not. If I think I was asked that at one point. I'm like, heck no. But that's why I'm doing it, to change my body. And it's just so normalized that like you said, it's ingrained in us, interwoven. That's why you exercise. And I think too, it's, I heard this quote by Ben Bruno, who's a trainer who has a really great perspective on training. He trains a lot of celebrities like Chelsea Handler. He's like, you know, some people say exercise is medicine, but just like anything, it's a dose response. And too much of anything is not good for you. And when you're over-exercising, it can become ex- very detrimental to your health for many reasons. And loss of period is certainly one of them. And I think as females, especially, at least I was never taught this when I was younger, how important our period is to our overall health. Like it's very much a sign that your body is working. Yep. It is a vital sign. It is. Even though it's not deemed as like, as medical community wouldn't deem it a vital sign, but most doctors that really know the female body, know that it's a vital sign. Yeah. 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 If that's off, something is not right. And it's great for those women that are listening and are cycling out there. Like you can use your menstrual cycle as such an indicator for so many things, including like when and how to exercise. But I'm not going to get into that right now because I want to talk more about the reasons why, you know, we're struggling to cut down or modify exercise. So, you know, fear of weight gain, fear of our bodies changing. That was a, that was probably the biggest one for me. But also another one I struggled with was the reason why I was doing two a days was because, you know, I'd wake up, wake up in the morning and, you know, that was my usual exercise, but, you know, I was super stressed out. So I had to run for stress relief and I was totally using it as a numbing agent. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I had a lot of things going on in my life when I was exercising like that. And I was trying to numb a lot of things and avoid feelings. Exercise was a perfect way to do it because I mean, society says like exercise or stress relief. You're stressed, exercise. So let's talk a little bit more about using exercise to numb or control our emotions and your thoughts behind that, Sam. Yeah, it's kind of partially why even though I stated I hate the saying exercise is medicine or that exercise is therapy because it's not exercise is literally exactly what you just said is that it it numbs those emotions. It gives you a temporary period of time where you kind of can go into this flow zone where your mind goes other places. So you stop focusing on whatever the stress is in your life or whatever emotions you need to feel. And you just kind of shove it down a little bit, but you don't actually really handle whatever you is. 
And don't get me wrong, there are times that you just need a good cry during a cycle class. Like you need to just feel it out during a run and get the tears out during a run. I also understand that 1000%. And I do understand that I'm really stressed. I just need like 20 minutes away to like move my body to do something else. There's that. But there's two parts to this. Number one, if you're not working through what is causing you stress or causing you anxiety or causing you to feel the way that you're feeling, it's always going to be there. And so we have to find other coping mechanisms to deal with our emotions, whatever they might be. Exercise can be a small piece of that, but we have to find other ways to do it as well. That's why like exercise always cannot be your only form of self-care. You have to have other things. And I think it's really important to have non-physical ways of doing it because we can't always rely on moving our bodies and exercise isn't going to solve the problem. They're going to be there. And the other thing is, too, that I think is really important is, you know, the last three to six years have been pretty stressful in our current environments. And so whether you feel you are a stressed out individual or not, we just are living in a very stressed out state. Not to mention we are so many of us are go, 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 go people. We're going all over the place. You've got kids. You've got a job. You've got this, that and the other. We're constantly on the go. So our cortisol levels are already heightened just from living our day-to-day life. And if you throw an exercise, especially something like high intensity, your cortisol levels are just going to go up that much more. And it might be counterproductive to actually helping you feel better. So I always recommend like, yes, exercise can be this wonderful tool for our mental health, but you've got to have other systems in place as well to help with that. 100%. And yeah, I sort of wish I knew that many years ago because I'm like, oh, I'm stressed, you know, like, And I was working at the time, like this was before kids and I was working like three jobs and recently married and stuff like that. And I thought, thought I had really stressful things going on in my life. I really didn't and thought I did. And and, and I'm not trying to underplay my stress. Stress is stress. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, you know, something that seems little to, you know, Karen may seem really big to Susan and, you know, vice versa. So uh, yeah, I would use it to numb and I wish I had you know, saw other coping mechanisms prior to just using exercise because it can, like you said, you want to go out for, you know, a run. Now, if your period is missing, that shouldn't be your go-to thing to like blow off steam. But once you do cycle normally, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, I just, I just need to get out of the house to go for a run. But I also was in therapy, also was taking care of myself in other ways, self-care, doing other things that bring me joy. So it wasn't my my only outlet, but it was at, at one point and it, it, that was not healthy because again, as you mentioned, Sam, those emotions, whatever is causing you the stress is not going anywhere. Like it's just going to be numbed for a moment and then it's going to come back up. And unless you deal with that head on from whatever way that you need to address it, it's you're, it's just going to be a vicious cycle. So yeah. And you know, if your doctor, you know, you go to your doctor because I have had many women say, well, you know, I started therapy and uh, she told me to exercise more. But and I'm like, girlfriend, your period's missing. You follow my page or you're my client, you know. But again, sometimes we're just looking for that like, permission to continue to do these behaviors, right? (laughs) So um, when we know deep down inside, we shouldn't, but that is, that is another topic. So let's talk about the big picture of societal ideal. Like, you know, I think I just mentioned therapists might be like, oh, you know, go exercise more. And which, gosh, I hope most therapists aren't telling you to do that just because 
hopefully they know that it doesn't take away the problems. Anyway, you know, societal ideal, I'll give an example. I used to go to the OBGYN when my period was missing. They didn't know why. They're like, oh, you're so healthy. Keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, cool. Keep exercising, keep eating healthy. You know, there's there's that. But then there's also that being interwoven. I mean, I know growing up, I saw my mom always exercising or making sure you know, to, to be active, burn off her food. What are some other societal ideals that come to you, Sam? Yeah, I think these get very interwoven with diet culture and this idea that thinness is of higher moral value, which it is certainly not, but also the idea that like the more fit you are, the healthier you are. And that's not always true either. And kind of this, you know, diet culture really teaches us that health is a moral thing that we need to do and that we are better off if we are working out if we are moving our body intensely. And I think even there's a lot of idealism around high intensity being better than low intensity. And that if you're not like working out so hard that you're not gassed and on the floor afterward, it doesn't count as a workout or it wasn't enough as a workout. And I think there's also a lot of elitism in that as well of you have to be exercising, you know, five or six days a week makes you better than everyone else or going to the gym is some like higher thing that you have to do. And really there's an immense amount of privilege that comes with being able to even afford to be able to go to the gym and whatnot. And exercise doesn't have to look like that, but I just feel like there's so many like very toxic ideals that are very much rooted in diet culture. And even you could probably trickle it down to white supremacy culture of this thin ideal of what a body looks like. And When you put that on top of things that our doctors tell us about being healthier, it makes us feel like we have to be doing this all the time. And it's just not true. No, not in the least bit. And thank you for sharing that, Sam. You brought up some great points. And one thing I want to say is, you know, the whole, like, I totally was, I don't know, I, I could have portrayed it to other people, but I, deep down inside, me going to the gym every day and being complimented on, oh my God, you're so disciplined. Like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Like, oh my, like, and I was like, hmm, I felt all high and mighty. You better believe that, you know? One million percent. I can remember when I was I, in my disordered days, people saying like, oh my God, you're so disciplined. You're so like, you just are so committed. And I was really obsessed with clean eating, obsessed with working out. But it did. It gave you that like chip on your shoulder of like feeling like you were better off. And it's just such nonsense. No. And it's a negative reinforcement. And, you know, to add on to that too, us being in the healthcare profession, right? As dietitians, there's also, you know, you as a personal trainer, there's also nurses, doctors, like A lot of people in the, I guess, healthcare field, or at least, you know, somewhere where you have to uphold a certain image, because I don't know how many DMs I get, but I'm a, you know, I'm a dancer, I'm a this, I'm a that, or like, I I can't possibly give up exercise because, you know, of what my body will turn into. And I can say completely relate, and I'm sure you can completely relate that I was like, wait a second, I'm a dietitian. Like, who is going to want to talk to me about being healthy if I gain all this weight? And so, yeah, that was hard. And it, again, back to societal ideal. Well, dietitians are supposed to be like fit, eating clean and like know about all the best nutritional stuff. And so that was that was hard for me. Yeah, there's that. And on top of we live in a world 
that stigmatizes people a lot for being in larger bodies and makes a lot of assumptions about that. And there's both, you know, the external fat phobia that exists in this world and then our own fat phobia that exists within us. And even if we have been living in a thinner body and experienced thin privilege, we still witness the stigmatization that goes on. Maybe we haven't always felt it, but it creates a lot of fear of gaining weight and the quote unquote bad things that will happen to us because of the way living in a larger body has been portrayed in our society. And no one talks about the health disparities that could come along with being too thin. That and just that your weight is just your number versus it's you versus gravity. Like it doesn't actually tell you anything about your health, who you are as a person, anything about you. And that what we look like has very little to nothing really to do with who we are, our health, risk factor, any of that stuff. You're just saying that leads me into uh, one of the the reasons, another reasons why we might struggle with giving up exercise or cutting down, modifying is not knowing ourselves without exercise. Yeah. Like, who are we if we aren't that the fit friend, the fit girl, yes. the fit coworker? Who are we? I did not, Sam, I did not know myself at all. I thought I knew myself. I'm like, yeah, I like to work out and like be healthy. And like, I was a freaking robot. I went to the gym, I went to work and maybe saw my friends once in a while. My poor partner at the time, I mean, I was a raging, you know, bitch because I wasn't eating enough and I was exercising too much. So by the way, if you are feeling like, oh yeah, I totally am a bitch too. Like that will resolve if you're eating enough. Do you feel, (laughs) were you a bitch too, Sam? I was so (laughs) angry all the time. Uh I I get so vividly, we were living in DC, sitting on I-95 because obviously you're sitting in traffic going to dinner with my husband. And he's like, why are you so hangry? <laughs> why? And it's because I was like, you know, exercise all the things. And I will never forget that moment. Not to mention that I would be so hangry that I had to keep snacks in my car, which were not filling snacks also, caveat. They were, and they were probably Quest bars, disgusting. In my car, because I was so worried that I would be hangry, but I was always hangry. Like, yep, 24-7 hangry. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you were genuinely a nicer person when you're nourished. Oh my gosh, totally. And totally. your brain works better. I could talk about, you know, the benefits of being nourished for <laughs> yes, a while. Yes. Absolutely. There's many, many benefits. So going back to, you know, not knowing yourself without exercise, because I didn't know myself. Most of my clients are like, I don't even know what to do. Like that's what I filled all my time with and that's who I am. And I also think it holds a lot of women back from joining a period recovery program that is going to help them get their cycles back because they're just so afraid like they're not going to be able to exercise at all or, you know, all all the things are going to happen. So yeah, let's talk more about that. You don't know yourself without exercise. Exercise is not your whole identity. It's not who we are. I think that often we get so, especially because so many of these gyms or exercise routines create like cult followings for lack of a better word but like if you do crossfit you're a crossfitter if you do orange theory you do orange theory if you do peloton you're peloton you know what i mean and it feels largely like it is part of who you are and even just within running it becomes this like elite like i'm a runner and exercise can be a part of who you are but it's not your whole identity and i think it kind of goes back to like when people ask you like how your day is or like 
how you're feeling. They don't care what your workout just was during that day or if you moved your body or if you didn't do your do that, right? And so it has very little just to do with who you are as a person and kind of how you exist in the world. It's why I've really fallen into like, well, people are like, well, what do you do for exercise? I do a lot of different things and I enjoy a lot of different things. And I can do Orange Theory. I can also do Peloton, but I can also do yoga and walk and be outside. They're not necessarily who I am as a person. It's just that movement is a part of my life. It's something I enjoy. But I also know that it's a tool. It's a tool within a toolbox, right? It's something that we do. It's a part of my day, or maybe sometimes it's not when it's rest days. It's a part of it, but it's not my entire identity. And it's not like it's tattooed on the cross, like across your forehead, whatever it is. We have to evolve. And I think part of that comes with age. I think part of it comes from working through your relationship with food, exercise, and your body because they do become so interwoven. And having a greater understanding of yourself that exercising is not your identity. It's not who you are. Most people don't really care what workout you did or didn't do that day. No, unless it's your obsessed CrossFit friend or, you know, someone, your running partner. But deep down inside, you know, it's it's time if you're feeling that way about like, I don't know myself without exercise. I don't know what I would do without it. I don't know, you know, my friends without it. I don't know my whatever. It's a red flag. And it's a time to kind of check in with yourself and maybe say like, who? am I really? And do some soul digging and who do you want to be? Yeah. And I know who you don't want to be is someone that is feeling chained down by exercise and by food and by thinking about when is my period going to return? I know you don't want that. Nobody wants that. Yeah. It takes away so much of your life. I think that was like such a big turning point for me is realizing that like I was missing out on not just social events, but like eating delicious foods that I really enjoy. Absolutely. And missing out on going to stuff with friends because like I had to get my workout in the next day or, you know, just missing out on so many things because my life and and really my brain was so focused on whether it was calories and numbers, but like when, where, and what my workout was going to be. And when you recover from that, your brain, like it opens up for so many more other things that you get to do, but you also just get to explore life a lot more. Like it can still be a part of your life. It can still be something that you do, but you can also have days where you go on vacation and you get to just lie on the beach all day and enjoy the sun and relax. Yes. That's exactly what I did, Sam. When I just went on vacation recently, depending how recent, depends when the the episode is going to air. But yeah, like life, you can have both. Like you can have movement, exercise, you can have a regular period, and you can have a life. Excuse me, you can have it all. You can literally have it all. But you got to want to get through those difficult parts of figuring out like, okay, well, who really am I without exercise? Like I'm not saying you have to like completely stop, but like, could you picture yourself? What would I do? If it wasn't, you know, for exercise, would I like to do crafts? Would I like to go on more dates? Would I like to spend more time with my partner, do a cooking class, a pottery class, learn how to throw an axe, maybe get on, you used to play volleyball as, you know, a young girl. Maybe you 
get on an extracurricular, you know, like for fun team, um, which I actually did that last year. It was so fun. So, you know, exploring those things and doing some soul digging. And so you can have both because it is no way to live. Sam and I have lived that way. I can tell you life is so much more full. I'm able to be present for moments and using my vacation, my most recent vacation, for example, two little kids with me. I'm able to enjoy ice cream with them. I'm able to walk on the beach versus like having to get a crazy workout in early in the morning. If I missed, if I slept in, not a big deal. And my thoughts weren't completely clouded with what am I eating today? When am I going to move? Am I going to move tomorrow? How much weight am I going to have to gain on this vacation? Because that's just like a, I guess a staple again in our society. You go on vacation, you're going to gain weight, you know? So, and if you do, great. If you don't, okay. Like it's, it's not even about that. It's about being on vacation. So life, I can go on and on about all the benefits of being able to have a regular period, have movement in your life and be able to live without these constant thoughts. But it does take some time. It takes some work. It takes some soul searching. It takes getting over some fears. But if this is you and you're like, I have no idea how to work through this. Like this is the scariest thing. I don't even know where to begin all the things, there are resources out there. And I think the biggest thing for any struggling person, no matter if you're struggling with marriage, you're struggling with exercise addiction, alcohol addiction, whatever like hardship to have support and ultimately to community, just to be able to like someone else gets you like what you're going through is absolutely huge. And everything that Sam and I just mentioned, and Sam, I don't know if you want to mention any other like supportive things that people could do to work on this aside from getting support and soul searching and so forth. Yeah. I think a couple of things that come to mind is I remember when I was really struggling, a friend of mine who is a therapist said to me, she said, you know, Sam, you really take care of your body, but you don't really take care of your mental health. And this was like 10 years ago. It really resonated with the fact that, yeah, why am I pushing my body so hard if up here my brain is struggling so much? And when we really look at like health even as a global picture, if something is causing you more distress in your mental health, is it really healthy for you? Mm, Good question. And, you know, again, it comes down to that dose response. Like exercise is a great tool. Movement is wonderful, but if it's becoming too much for, especially you're losing your period, that seems like something that maybe we need to prioritize a little bit. And just remembering too, like it's a phase of your life. We're not telling you that exercise has to go away forever or not to do it or that you can't go back to those things that you enjoy doing. It's a short period of time. And if your period is just such an important part of your health that sometimes we have to prioritize other things and it's okay to take that time to heal and to do those things and maybe use it as an opportunity, like you said, to explore other things like other hobbies, other tools, like other tools that we can have in our self-care toolbox, because what good is it to only have one thing? Cause when you can't do that anymore, that seems a little bit problematic. And so exploring, you know, those other options and therapy is a really great tool support groups. I think that's huge. I know when I went through this, I was like inventing orthorexia to doctors. I wasn't by any means, but like so many times they're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh God, like I had no one and no one really understood what I was going through. And so when you have other people that can relate to it, even just us talking about it with such a like relatable story, it makes such a big difference. You're like, okay, I'm not the only one. So just know that like, you're not the only one. There is support out there. 
And this is a time, a short period of your life that could have such big benefits by working through this, that you were going to feel like a whole nother person on the other side of this and really get to live life to the fullest. Absolutely. You said that so well, Sam. I don't think I could have said it better myself. And to piggyback off that, like all the things Sam said, and plus if exercise is truly meaningful and you truly love it, why not take a break so you can love it even more and be stronger at it, decrease your chances of injury, have a period so that you have enough estrogen to have strong bones have enough estrogen to have a strong heart because the detriments of lack of estrogen right now with your heart may not affect you. However, many years down the line, studies are now showing that it's it's detrimental and heart disease is extremely prevalent in women who have had HA. So that being said, Sam, there's one last question I like to ask all of my guests. And the question is, and I know you're not experiencing period loss right now or have. And the question is, how are you living now? Because it's important that no matter what we're going through, period loss, any kind of craziness, because life is just crazy. How are you living now? I feel like I'm living in my like growth and discovery era right now. I'm in this phase of life where 33. And I feel like I've grown up a lot over the last 10 years, but I feel like for the first time, I'm really coming into who I am as a person and what I stand for and things I want to do and trying to take all the opportunity to really live life big right now. I know that, you know, in the next year or so, we're probably thinking about family planning and stuff like that. And so like, I have like all these concerts planned that I'm going to this summer. Yes, live it. <laughs> like so many, so many. I'm so love it, but so many. So I'm just trying to like live life and live life as feeling like confident, not worrying about what I look like all the time, doing me, not worrying about what anyone thinks about me. And I feel like I'm growing a lot as a person, in my business, as a friend, as a spouse, as a partner. It just kind of like open to exploring that and the kind of what that looks like. And it feels like just a a really big, like, this is my time. Like, this is that growth era. Yes, I love that. And I am so excited to hear that. And I know for so many of us that are in that period of time, which growth is growth is so fluid and it's always happening. But a lot of times if we don't go through these like crappy parts in our lives, whether it be missing period, exercise addiction, whatever, disordered eating, eating disorder, these hardships could be turned into gifts. So yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Sam. So let everybody know where, if they want to get in touch with you, chat more with you, learn more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, I would love that. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. My handle's at triple A wellness by Sam. We have to spell out the triple A. So it's like T-R-I-P-L-E-A wellness by Sam post a lot of fun stuff there. Um, So I'd love to connect with you, you know, send me a message, comment, all that good stuff. And then you can also check out my website, which is similar uh, at AAAWellness.com. And I will link all that stuff in the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for your time and coming on here to share all of your knowledge and personal experience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. 
We know there are a lot of pods out there, and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.